Hey guys, we're back. Brand new episode of Lunch Plus here. We're super excited to have you. Take the time right now, share the broadcast, and as you're doing that, once you hit the share button, come back and comment and tell us who you are, where you're watching from. We're just really excited to have you today because we've got a really exciting day for you. Thursdays always make my stomach a little bit nervous because I know the segments. Mm -hmm. What's coming up today? Well, everybody, today <laughs> we are starting off with a mystery challenge. Uh, my wife's going to participate in this. Oh, by the way, my wife's here. I'm excited. We're starting with the mystery challenge. After the mystery challenge, we'll, me and Pastor will go into a time of Q&A where we'll be answering some of your questions about God, the Bible, and whatnot. And then after Q&A, we will have a time of confession and prayer. And then after confessions, then we will have uh, our next installment of What's Unfortunate. And after that, we have the man who would be king. It's going to be such a good day, and we're just really oh, excited yeah. to have you. As we get started, remember, we have a daily contest to see how fast we can hit mm. 100 comments. And if you are the 100th commenter, then you get a free gift card on us, a free coffee on us. So make sure that you start commenting right now. Yep. Tell us who you are. Yep. And, you know, it's time to chat anyway. So what better time to chit-chat sure. in the comments? Um, Johnny says hi. Miss Debbie Myers says hi. Pastor Nicole says happy birthday. Amber, happy birthday, Amber. We love you. Marky is trash-talking already because she's participating in Minute to Win It. And so she's right now trash talking Serena. So get prepped for that. That's going to be great. Oh, Josephine says, hi. Hey, Joe, we love you. Right now it's time for family chat. <laughs> and we have been going through a series this week called roommate application. Bum, 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 bum. Could we go on vacation together? I, I don't know. Right now I'm, I'm learning which people I could not go on vacation with. Um, <laughs> I, but yeah. I feel like the first question should be, do you make up random theme music for... <laughs> that a similar type of si questions are probably coming. Like, probably. Probably, for sure. Because I do. <laughs> it's a state that I live in. Question number one. Do you use hot or cold water when you brush your teeth? This was actually a question I asked the other day. Yes. This Which is actually. <laughs> I never thought that there was an option. I thought everyone just did it with cold water because no. I thought that that was a normal thing to do. I don't understand why you would do it with hot water. I use hot water. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Serena uses hot water too. And Serena uses hot water. William says cold as ice. Kevin says cold. Holly says cold. Joe says cold. Serena says hot. EO says whatever water comes out of the <laughs> sink. I So I have a reason. It's, it's not like as scientific as Pastor goes, but mm. it is science. The hot water makes the toothpaste spread more evenly and distribute more evenly over my toothbrush, and it gets deep down into the root of the bristles, so it's not just on top. And I so feel, it doesn't get to your teeth; it's stuck in the bristles. No, so I use more of it. Like I found mm. that with cold water, it makes the toothpaste harden more, mm. and then makes it more difficult to then spread evenly onto all of my teeth. Plus, mm. I had braces for seven years, and cold hurt. So I went down the hot route. Um, Serena says it also makes the bristles softer. Absolutely. Marky says cold after toothpaste makes my teeth sensitive. Um, Debbie says cold but rinse with hot. Johnny says cold. That's, Lisa says cold. That's intricate. Cold but rinse with hot. Yeah, like see, notice the majority is cold. Serena and I could share a sink. Serena and I am learning are cut from a very similar cloth, so it, it pleases me. It's like I found 
I found a soul friend in Serena. A soul friend? <laughs> I've never heard of that before. I just made it up right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, question number two. Are you a person who hums to themselves? <laughs> there you go. Coming. <laughs> there it is. 100%. 100%. Well, anytime you're like, all right, now for this, bum, ba, da, da. Like, even if there is, like, <laughs> intro music, you'll... You just come up with your own. I discovered um, when I moved here, I did not realize how much I sang to myself <laughs> until one day I was in Walmart singing about whether or not I should buy blackberries. And I was like, should I buy, do I need these? I guess I don't need these. Like just singing to myself. And a lady behind me came up and was like, just buy them. You, you want them that much. Like, if oh. you're singing a song about <laughs> blueberries, you should probably buy them. Just do it. Holly says sometimes, Serena says, I don't hum, but I whistle to myself. Mm -hmm. Kevin says he sings constantly, but he doesn't think he hums. EO says she does all the time. Fact, if you hang out with the rights, mm -hmm. Abby's going to be humming a song, Rachel's going to be humming a song, they're different songs. Like, and they're going at the same time in the same car, in the same room, and <laughs> oh, it's, that sounds it's like, super different. That sounds like it would hurt my brain. George has also, like, I... I Again, I do it a lot. So George has needed to grow in grace and patience <laughs> with me because he'll be talking and I won't mm. even realize it. And I'll just be, and he's like, stop, See, <laughs> I'm talking. <laughs> like Serena would dance. Like she'd be like eating her food at lunch and she'd Aww. just be sitting there dancing. And Is that her way of being happy with her food? What? She's nodding off to the side. That's, yeah. I do the same thing. I'll dance <laughs> when I eat if it's good food. Yeah. Um, Joe said, or Joe, not Joe, Marky says, yeah, they do, talking about the rights. Mm -hmm. um, Kevin wants me to start singing with cadence so that George will laugh. I don't know what that means. It's like in the army when you're walking and they uh, have, I don't know, but I've been told, da, 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 da. Yeah, Serena says she, it's exciting to eat food. <laughs> like, I, I will whistle sometimes. Um, I don't think I hum. I need to, I need to pause this really quickly because I haven't seen you yet today and I forgot to ask your wife when she came in. Your wife posted on Instagram last night that you ate super weird food yesterday. Oh, um, it was peanut butter and bacon ice cream. Where were you? Uh, highway 75, 55? Highway 55. That's mm -hmm. super random. Yeah. Like that, was that their flavor of the they, day? They had like, no, they had like eight different peanut butter and combinations. There was like peanut butter and Oreo, peanut butter and, and uh, chocolate, peanut butter and other things, and one of them was peanut butter and bacon. And we're just like, is it good? And she was like, you can try it. And then they made us a whole bowl of it. Because I guess they don't make it enough to where they had to make a whole bowl. And it was actually really good. I ate it. Interesting. Well. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. OK, next question. I hadn't been able to ask her yet. <laughs> Toilet seat up or down? Oh, like you're talking about like the top toilets. Yes. Not just like not like not the, the not the bowl aspect or whatever. The, the, the second layer of it. I was gonna call it the P flap, whatever. The P flap. Well, when a guy has to pee, <laughs> he has to lift up the P flap. But I'm I, not talking about the part probably, you sit on. Yeah. The lid. The lid. Is the lid up or down? What? <laughs> if you know what the actual name of that thing is, I think it's just called the toilet seat. Uh, the lid, you got the lid in the seat. You're right, it's just the toilet seat. Rachel says down. Kevin says both the seat and the lid down. Serena says down. Pastor Nicole says down. Josephine says lid up. Holly says lid up. Well, hmm. I love you, Holly. 
I, I don't, we'd have to fix that if we went on vacation together. Um, well, same, same see, it Joe. depends. It, it really depends on the timing of it. Like, if I'm currently going to the bathroom, I would like it up. Because mm -hmm. that, <laughs> that's just wisdom. Yeah. Um, if I'm not going to the bathroom, I literally have no preference. Aesthetically pleasing, I would Wait. I would prefer it to be down. But mm -hmm. I really here's here's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. In order for it to be down, I want the lid of the toilet to have some sort of cover on it. Mm -hmm. Like you know, like the things that make it look nice. So that way, I'm yeah. not reaching my hand underneath mm -hmm. the lid of the toilet to pull it up. I yeah. like it needs to have some sort of protective covering on it. I got you. My dad said. It Serena's was, smiling off to the side. My, my dad said it was up until he got married and now it's down. <laughs> uh, wait, did you say down? Because I feel like ours is always up. I feel like it's like always <laughs> up. We, we need to go home and test this out. <laughs> I, I, I give you like a, I, I would be 70% confident, that maybe 72%. Take that a picture and we'll show it tomorrow. Okay. Uh, Kevin says, gentlemen, always put the seat down. Nat, Johnny, oh. and Lisa all say down. So down is definitely the majority down, in this down, question. Down. Gravity. That's not the song where I was. Um, Pastor Nicole says, you realize the toilet lid would be cleaner than a pretty covering because most people don't wash those covers nearly often enough. That's true. true. It's when true. Was the last time we washed ours? Well, we're going to do it today. William says, lid up, seat down. Lid up? Okay. Oh, the, he said yeah, it let up, seat down. I'm like, how can yeah. you have the thing up and the other thing <laughs> yeah, at the same time? <laughs> let up, seat down. Okay, last question of the day. What's your least favorite chore? Chore. Mm -hmm. I, I, I know Serena will probably say her fingers are going, I'm going to guess dishes. Nope, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Um, oh, Joseph Trash. Lisa says snakes crawling in. Uh, the toilet probably the toilet? is what she's referring to. I'm like, that's a weird chore. E.L. and William both say laundry. Serena says cleaning the tub. Oh, yeah, that's gross. Mm. I, I found, I actually knew that about Serena because when the crab trees moved mm. in, I cleaned their bathroom in their mm. apartment, and Serena told me how much it ministered to her because she had no desire to clean the bathtub. So I knew that one. Um, Holly said all of them. <laughs> Pastor Nicole says laundry. Joe says there's really long grass. So mowing? mowing? <laughs> Lisa says dishes. Kevin says he hates mopping floors. Natalie says cleaning our big tub. I think that my least favorite would be cleaning the bathroom. Like that's, that's my least favorite thing to do. Yeah. I know. And I, and I just touched Serena's heart because she just found that out well after the fact of them moving in. <laughs> I, honestly, for me, I don't think I have a least favorite. Not saying that I love chores, <laughs> but they're all just equally as mediocre in my mind. What's great is that off to the side, Marky is judging Buddy hard, looking at him going. They just. Like that's, that's the look that's they, they all have like an equal look. Uh, well, if you count like pulling hair out of the Ew. drain. That, that was the one that I, see, I had three sisters growing up. T three sisters. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. There was three women in my house growing up, my mom and my two sisters. I don't know. Um, I had, so there were three women in my house, and so we always had, like, our drain was one that, like, it always gathered it. Gross. And that was always my job because no one else had the, the um, ability or the, uh, the gall. What, what is That's it? That's a good word. The, the gall to yeah. do it. So that was my job, and I hated it. <laughs> so if, if, if there's anything, that's, that's it. 
Well, it looks like we, so far, the chores would be evenly distributed. We'd yeah. have to do some work on what the toilet seat's yeah. doing and Ooh. all stop humming. And it still seems like we could all do some sort of what's right vacation together. <laughs> we'll continue this tomorrow to find out if we would be good roommates or not. But right now, it is time to hop into our brand new, fresh episode of Lunch Plus. Stick around. We'll be back in just a couple seconds. Hey guys, welcome back. It is time for a brand new episode of Lunch Plus. And before we dive into this first segment, let's talk about what's coming up today. Right now, we are, we're going to do a mystery challenge. If you looked really quickly, you may have guessed the mystery, but find out right now. What do you think we're gonna do during mystery challenge? Drop it in the comments. And then after that, we have Q&A. If you have any questions you've wanted answered about the Bible, about the word, put them in. Let us know what those things are. Let's be able to answer them. We'd love to. Then a time of confessions after that. Then going into what's unfortunate, with Buddy Crabtree, and well, we'll see what happens after last week. And then after that, it's time for the man who would be king, but right now, it's time for Mystery Challenge. Okay, I have the beautiful Ooh. Serena and Marky. I almost called you Crabtree because I'm so used to saying <laughs> Serena Crabtree. Sure. You can be an honorary Crabtree. Yay! <laughs> well, so, Here's what's going on. As I said yesterday, I'm really hoping Dunkin' Donuts sees how much we product place them on this broadcast. But in this box, <laughs> can't drink. In this box, there are six powdered donuts. And according to the interwebs, it is very challenging to eat powdered donuts with no water. So here's, here's what's about to go down. Serena and Marky, have two minutes to eat so three whole powdered donuts mm -hmm. without any water. And whoever gets the most donuts in and swallowed in through their gullet into their stomachs wins. Put in the comments right now, who do you think is going to be victorious in this battle? Who, I, I I'm going like to win. I'm excited. very confident. I am extremely confident. Every <laughs> other food contest that I've been a part of has included something that I do not enjoy. So I enjoy donuts, so I'm very confident in myself. I'm just wondering what my gullet is. Is that my throat? Yeah. Is that this? That's yep. my gullet? That's what I, I had a lot of iced coffee, so I'm hoping that I still have room. Yeah, I, I believe in both of you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stack up the three donuts right now in front of them. I I have some guesses. I I, I want to remain unbiased, but while I know Marky can eat a lot, I don't know as though Marky has eaten quickly in front of me. So I'm very curious. Put it in right now. Are you Team Serena? Do hashtags Team Serena, hashtag Team Marky. Put it in the comments. On the count of three, we are going to get going. Three, oh, two, ready. one, no water, go. 
Okay, they're diving in. Serena is attacking these things. She is starting off strong. Marky appears to be going, I don't know, am I distracting you? Is my commentating, like, making you want to laugh? The coffee made my mouth dry. It is very dry. Um, they say it's very dry. D is your mouth producing mm. saliva to help you swallow right now? Like, are you experiencing anything really exciting? The commentary is it's delicious. <laughs> That's delicious. Okay, we have some Team Serena uh, voting going on in the comments. Team Serena, Team Marky. Um, Becca looks like she's being both. Uh, so apparently Becca is Switzerland. Holly says Team Marky. Okay, and nobody has gotten a full donut mm -hmm. in yet, and we are almost one minute in. Okay, guys, you have about 15 seconds left mm -hmm. before you have one minute left on the clock. It seems like this is slowed down. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Mm. Serena, her energy level is still high. There's mm. lots of sounds coming out of her of excitement and enthusiasm. Mark, you look like you're waning. Is everything going okay and mentally inside of you, physically inside of you? I can't smile and eat at the same time. <laughs> How are you doing? Good. You feel good? Mm -hmm. You feel good? Is this, is this difficult? <laughs> mm -hmm. No. <laughs> Okay, we have 40 seconds left on the clock, and Serena has one full donut in her belly at this point in time. Can she get two? She has 30 seconds left to prove that she is the reigning champion of all donut-related contests. Marky looks like she's waning a little bit. I believe in you. Slow and steady wins most races, but I don't think this is going to be one of them. Serena very earlier was confidently trash talking Marky. And look at the joy that's maintained on her face throughout this I'm entire game. She's smiling, she's excited. Marky, it looks it looks like you've got something going on. Are you doing okay? Okay. You good? Okay, well, here we are. We're about to wrap up in four, three, two, one. <laughs> Can we get a, I don't, I don't know if we can get a close-up, but can you move your hand away so the people can see your face right now? Let them see what's going on. Mm -hmm. How you doing? Mm -hmm. Can you look at the camera as well so they can see the final mm -hmm. effort that was made? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, you may have a napkin. So, as you can see right here, we have one donut remaining on the table. We have a donut and a half remaining on the table. And, and how are you, there's a... Guys, there's a lot of powdered sugar residue all over Marky. You did pretty well cleaning yourself up and keeping yourself there. You feel good? No. <laughs> <laughs> it appears Serena Crabtree is our reigning champion for the donut challenge. Map. All of you that voted hashtag Team Serena, you win. I hope Good that job. a sense of validation comes upon you. I would like to give a shout out to my faithful fans who have stuck through me for my <laughs> numerous fails. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Any tips that you would give the people at home? Go home. I don't go know what I go. was doing, so no. I have no, I have no tips. Go, go <laughs> hard. I, the more go I tried, I, I got like these like massive clumps going down my throat. that's was like swallowing a rock. So <laughs> don't do what I did. Do what Serena did. Serena did Just amazing. Follow your dreams is my my advice. Follow your dreams. Go hard. Go home. <laughs> That's what she was saying over here. Well, guys, Serena Crabtree is our reigning champion. We may do this again and see if Serena can go up against her husband. We'll see Ooh. how fast they can do this some other day. But right now, it is time to hop over to Bible Q&A. If you have Bible questions that you would like answered, put them in the comments right now. And it's time for another session of Questions and Answers with Pastor and Buddy.
Hey guys, welcome. I got Hello. Pastor here with me. Amen. 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 Hey, we also just hit the hundredth comment. Miss hey. Vanessa. Vanessa won it. Glory to God. So you will win a gift card. Uh, just get in touch with us and we'll send that to you. And now on to the segment. Yeah. So right that's now, at twelve oh eight as well. Wow. Twelve. That's well. a pretty good. Yeah. Hundredth comment at twelve oh eight. That's pretty nice. Well done, Joni. All right. Well. Uh, right now, we're stepping into our Q&A segment. This is a, an opportunity that we have to answer your questions about God, about the Bible, about life in general. You know, and, and we want to give you a biblical perspective. Yes. If there is a biblical answer for, for these questions, we want to give it. That's right? right. Yeah, that's what we uh, talked about last time. Yeah, so, uh, so you know, we, wanna, we always want to start in the Word like stay in the word and and in the, the word. It's the, the word. standard. It, the word's the standard. Yeah, yeah. The, our word. The word is the standard. And and a good reason for that is this: if let's say that you grew up in a certain environment and I grew up in a certain environment, then what's relative to you can be different from what's relative to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've proven that just by southern versus northern words. You know. Sure. <laughs> and and so one of the things that we have to say is how are we ever going to come into unity if we don't have a standard based on the word and of course we know that the word is inspired by god and it is literally our guidebook for living mm -hmm. and uh, for life so i've counseled you know married couples before and i ask them what's the standard and and many times i've heard them say what's what i f i feel it ought to be this way well the problem is you feel one way somebody else feels yeah. what does god feel on it and that's why we go back to the word yeah. And when we get there, now we're sitting on the same foundation. Mm -hmm. We can move into unity, yeah. and God commands the blessing. Yeah, and when you get to the Word, it, it forces you to remove bias. Yes, you know, from yes. It because, like, a lot, of, a lot of questions, you know, you can ask a question, and people will come in with their own preconceived bias. Well, this is what, yes. like you said, this is what I think. Yes. And that's a dangerous place to be. Well, this is what I've experienced, or this is what I've Precisely. come to understand. Well, what does the Word say? Because that's what matters. Yes, the full counsel of the Word. And here's mm -hmm. the other reason why. That, there are several reasons, but here's another one, mm -hmm. is that uh, God said this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So when we have the Word of God, life overflows from that, yeah. not by what you and I feel. That's good. Amen. All right. Well, let's dive into our question. And guys, if you have any questions, you know, yeah. that you want us to answer as a part of any of these segments, feel free to go to whatsright.com and send us a message, you know, with your with your questions or you can pop it up in the comments. But we but we want to encourage you to go to whatsright.com and uh, put your qu questions. there. Yes. Uh, yeah. But here. But let's let's jump off with our question for today. Uh, this was a question that was sent yet to me yesterday. And it said this. Um, why did many men of God in the Old Testament have concubines and many wives? Is it a sin or is there another meaning to it? That was the question that I had. <laughs> why were they polygamous? Why did mm. they have many wives? Yeah. And why? There's <laughs> something about it when I say polygamy, all of a sudden it's like, ooh, I felt the sin on that. Mm. Everybody's like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> politically correct says they had many wives. They had many loves. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Mamas love no matter how many there are. <laughs> or what age is today's thing. That's See, true. it's an That's issue true. because now what you feel becomes the standard instead mm -hmm. of God. Now you're yeah. in trouble. Mm -hmm. So uh, why do they have many, you know, many wives and is it a sin or was there a reason for it and mm -hmm. meaning to it? And uh, I, I think that one of the things that you want to look at in making the word the mm -hmm. standard is to look at what does the full counsel of the word show us about yeah. wives? Mm -hmm. uh, what was the result of that? Yeah. And did God actually okay that? Or was that something that they were in sin over? So uh, I think uh, a key part of that is to look in Genesis where it says uh, he created them and uh, the man left his father and mother and he clung to his wife and they were one flesh. To his wife. To his wife and they were one flesh. So in the beginning, from God's decree, you have one flesh. Then if you look at the end of it, uh, you see where Jesus and, and throughout uh, the New Testament in the letters to the church, it says that the leader should be, uh, a leader should be the husband of one wife. Mm -hmm. One wife. So at the beginning and at yeah. the end, we have God saying yeah. one wife, one mm -hmm. wife. All right, so that sets the standard and that's the full counsel of the word. So uh, even if there was maybe an age, although you're going to see that it's not, even if there was maybe an age where it was supposed, you know, where it was okayed, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, some people say that, that God allowed it because of the hardness of their heart, but that's really talking about uh, divorce. It's not really talking about having multiple wives. Uh, but one of the things that you see is that God says it. And then you were you had found a couple of scriptures while we were looking this up yeah. in like Deuteronomy, if you mm -hmm. want to read those. So I gave you the scripture yeah. in Genesis and then you see it like in Timothy, uh, the standard for leaders and elders. And this, let me point this out because some people may say, well, that's just to leaders. You know, does the whole body, well, they're called to lead in godliness and this is a, form of godliness, and because it's a form of godliness, uh, then all of a sudden you have to say, well, this is how what we should follow in that way. Yeah, so. And we spent, what, 52 messages talking about how we're all called yes. to be leaders. Yes, know? yes. So yeah. just, so if you say, oh, that's just for the leadership, well, I, you know, God's called me to be an influence yes. and a leader as well. Yeah. But uh, in Deuteronomy 17, 17, uh, God was, was talking about, you know, when when you'll have kings instituted, he said, uh, he shall not multiply wives for himself or else his heart will turn away. Yes. Um, that's, something, that's something that God instituted within the law too. Yes. Which, you know, and you actually begin to see like that's, that's where King Solomon's downfall was. Yes. You know, like this is almost like, it's almost like that was written for, did I say it, Solomon? It, Solomon? It's Solomon. Actually, yeah. that's exactly what happened to Solomon, and, yeah. and Scripture shows it. Yeah, First Kings 11, 13, and 14. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. Now, that's just... Anyway. Listen um, to what happened, though. And his wives turned his heart away. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God, and uh, as the heart of David his father had been. Now, like, you, you, you look at that, you know, the, oh, how many people say, oh, money turns your heart away? Solomon was one of the richest men we read in the Old Testament. Yes. But his riches aren't what turned him away. It was his wives. Yeah. 
yes. going back to that, that Deuteronomy 17, 17. Because he didn't listen to the command of the Lord yeah. there. And uh, mm -hmm. so one of the things that you see is that God doesn't actually ordain that. That's yeah. something they were doing um, out of the atmosphere of the culture, yeah. uh, but it wasn't necessarily something that God ordained in that way. Yeah. And uh, so that's, if you, you know, put, please put these in the con comments just so people have them. You know, the first one that we looked at was Genesis chapter 2 and verse uh, 24. Mm -hmm. Genesis 2, 24, and then I believe it's in Timothy where it talks about the leader. Do you have that? 1 Timothy 3, 2. 1 Timothy 3, 2. And then we have the commandment in Deuteronomy 17, 17. 17. And then we have Deuteronomy 21, uh, 15, uh, where it also shows this. Well, the one you just read was not that. It was 1 Kings 11, verse 3 and 4. Mm -hmm. But then you have uh, Deuteronomy 21, and verse 15, and it basically shows us that if a man has more than one wife, one's going to be favored. Yeah. And if, it's fa if they're favored, uh, then you're not giving yourself wholly mm -hmm. to them. So yeah. you see throughout the full counsel of the word that God says, hey, this is incorrect. It's yeah. not right. Mm -hmm. uh, but yet you saw that certain people you know, would overlook that. One of the things, I read this as we were looking, looking this up, and I thought this was a great statement, mm -hmm. was that the Bible as, you know, in contradiction to other religions, the Bible is very uh, candid mm -hmm. about the people of God or the faults even, the mm -hmm. faults and the good things of the people yeah. of God. And it shows you where they you know, take the wrong step. It shows yeah. you where they've missed it. Mm -hmm. And that helps us to know what not to do. Because you yeah. can look at Solomon, you can see the commandment, you yeah. can see him break it, and then eventually the wisest man, and hear this, hear this, he was the wisest man ever to walk the earth and completely fell off mm -hmm. because he didn't pay attention to that commandment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like that, that verse, Deuteronomy 21, 15, it actually says one will be loved and the other unloved. And everything yes. that God institutes is birthed out of love. A fullness of love, yeah, yes. fullness yeah. of love. And, and honestly, like, I mean, you look at, at, you know, the cases of, I guess, the cases of polygamy you know, yeah. in the Bible. You look at Abraham, you know, where he was given a promise that he'll have a son. Yeah. And then, uh, and then uh, Sarah offered uh, Hagar, you know, and that just caused, like, almost... Every time you see it, there's quarreling within the yes. home as a result yeah. of this. Yeah. You know, between Hagar and Sarah, between uh, Elkanah's two wives, you know, where they're quarreling. One yeah. was loved, the other one was unloved. And because of that, it caused problems, you know, and contention and quarreling, which are sins, you know. Yeah. You know, division in homes. And yes. that's not something that, that God institutes, and that's not God, something that God would ordain. Well, you see an issue every time. And so a lot of times people will read that even, you know, godly men and women, they'll read about their faults yeah. and then they think, they automatically think that that's God condoning it. That's not. That was actually them going against what the Lord said. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where we have to watch it. And if you look at the beginning, like the first one, was it Lamech? Uh, Lamech that had the first one. So first of all, he comes out of the line of Cain, which is like a fallen line, um, you know, and he's the first one, and he was evil, and he's the first one that took multiple wives mm -hmm. in that way that's mentioned in the Bible. And so you look at the origin of, 
the origin of God shows one. The ending of God and his commandment shows one. The origin of polygamy is an evil man. And mm -hmm. so then you see how even the fruit of it causes problem all the time. So yeah. I think going back to the original question is, you know, why is it that you see some of these people of God with many wives mm -hmm. in the Bible. And why does that bother me when I read it? It should bother you. <laughs> it should bother. If you're born again and your spirit is renewed, it should cross your spirit because your spirit's made in the perfection. If you're born again, you are made a completely new creation in fullness of righteousness. And if God's against yeah. it, you should be against it. So it should bother you. Just like every sin should bother your spirit, man. And uh, that's, that's why we see that. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and really, it boils down to, you know, the example that we're making. I mean, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, 2, because of sin or because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. And we read in Ephesians 5, 25, how, you know, marriage is supposed to be a representation of Christ in the church. Yeah. And, you know, there's not many different churches, you know. Yeah. You know, there might be a there might be division, you know, like today, but, but there's but, one body, but there's one body, yeah. there's one church and it's Christ and the church. And if we want, if we want our marriages yeah. to, to be in a, to show people Christ and the church, yes. you know, there, there's not division, there's not quarreling, there's not all of those, those sinful things. In yes. It. Um, well, and even, you know, I just recently did uh, officiated a wedding. Mm -hmm. And one of the great things that I think that the Lord gave me to point out is Marriage is a picture of God. Yeah. And so you have uh, God the Father, mm -hmm. and then you have the Son and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in the church, you also have a picture of God. Mm -hmm. God the Father, the Son Jesus Christ, the, mm -hmm. the groom, yeah. the bridegroom. And then you have the bride, which is the church. Yeah. So you have the bride, you have the helper and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so when we have marriage... Uh, we have God the Father, the groom, which yeah. is the husband, and the bride or the helper uh, in that way. And it's a picture of God. So the devil is always trying to counterfeit and and mess up the picture of God. Yeah. And that's one of why he attacks marriage so much is because marriage is designed to look like and paint a portrait to the world, a picture of God. Yeah. And uh, just like the picture of God would be incomplete or messed up if there was more or less, yeah. uh, the picture of marriage also is messed up if there's more or less. And that's yeah. what the devil's after. He wants to attack the picture of God mm -hmm. written on Christians in this earth earth. And he does a good job of it, uh, of trying to get in the way when, pe when people, he does a good job when people accept the deception. And uh, so it is a deception in that way. And it's not, it's not, when you look at the full counsel, counsel of the Lord, it is not his will. And uh, so, amen. Amen. I think that answers it. I think so too. I um, hope you're satisfied with that. Yeah, no, thank you guys for joining us for Q&A. Again, if you have any questions, make sure you, you submit them at whatsright.com. Yes. We want to hear your questions. We want to hear your heart. And, you know, this is one of the greatest ways to grow is to yeah. ask questions. Yeah. You know, we stop growing when we stop asking questions. So uh, we want to encourage you guys to ask questions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and just be, be humble, and, and we, want, we want to help you out with that. All right, well, thank you again for joining us for Q&A. Right now, we're going to move it over to Barrett for a time of confession, and it's going to be awesome. We'll see you guys next time.
Hey guys, it is time for our daily confession. As you know, if you're longtime viewers, even if you're not, we do a confession here each and every single day on the broadcast. So that way the word of God is not only coming in your ears, it's coming out of your mouth because the word accomplishes what it is sent to do. The word tells us that what we ask for, we will receive if we believe it. So today, as we dive into our confession, join your voice with mine and let's go ahead and pray out the things that are in the word of God on today's confession, confession number five. We walk in the fullness of faith, hope, and love. We win souls. We love righteousness. We hate sin. We walk in holiness and we are anointed by God. Every one of you watching, that is who you are, that is your story, and it's coming to pass as we pray out those things according to the word. Hallelujah. We just thank you so much for joining us. That is today's confession. Join us again tomorrow, and we will have two more confessions to finish out the week strong with. But right now, it is time to hop into what's unfortunate with Buddy, Kevin, and Marky. It's going to be such a great segment and praise God, I'm not playing. Hallelujah. We'll be back in just a second. Welcome to What's Unfortunate. I'm excited about this uh, new... I'm glad you are. Are, are you? Well, I'm just saying that for the crowd um, because I'm actually terrified. But this is going to be so much fun. Are you excited? Um, yes, in a nervous sort of way, absolutely. So for those of you who have not joined us for What's Unfortunate, here's how this is going to go. I, have a really, I made a really fancy spinning wheel on my laptop today, and there's some very unfortunate consequences um, on this wheel. Marky, you seem very silent. I have no idea what's happening. Like, I don't know what is on this or anything. I haven't looked at it. Oh, I, I haven't shown any of these guys what our consequences okay. are for the day. Okay. So, <laughs> so, you know, we're just going to wing it. Anyway, so here's how this is going to go. We have three names written on these pieces of paper, all right? Okay. And I'm going to have... Kevin randomly choose one of the names, and e and these names are your either your name, my name, or Marky's name. All right, and that's gonna that's gonna determine who's gonna have to do the unfortunate task. Yeah. All right. Okay. So Kevin, pick a name, any name. I'm looking for Marky's name I'm, right now. I'm gonna <laughs> shuffle it. I'm gonna shuffle it real quick. All right. All right. Grab it. This is because I wrote these names on here. It's my own fault if I pick my own. Oh. All right, well, the other two dropped away. All right, now okay. I'm going to tell you some of the unfortunate things that are on this okay. okay. All right? We, we, you, so you have the potential of eating a bowl of cereal, not with milk, but with water. Okay. I don't know if you've ever done that. It's the worst. Um, okay. Well, we have uh, a consequence where you would have to wrap a Dr. Seuss book. I think that'll be fun. Okay. Um, we have mayonnaise. You'll have to eat three spoonfuls of mayonnaise. Ew. <laughs> uh, we also have 
an interpretive dance, you'd have to perform an interpretive oh dance. Oh, I'd much rather eat the mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell the most, tell us the story, the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you, or uh, play charades and you have to act like food. All right, Kevin. Let's see. Do the event first. Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, okay. And then we'll pick. We'll see. All right, let's spin the wheel. I'm gonna. Oh, it's already spinning. It is spinning. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? What are we gonna have to do? May no. We're gonna have to eat three spoonfuls of mayonnaise. This is gonna be horrible. Well, it's Duke's mayonnaise. <laughs> right? Yeah, Everyone put in the comments, that's unfortunate. Also that's put in the comments, who do you think is going to have to eat three spoonful of mayonnaise? Serena, Kevin. can you bring the mayonnaise over here? Kevin! Well, I do okay know. Buddy. I So I, I saw through the paper, I know it's not me, so I'm happy. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's Kevin Noeggi! You drew your own name. Yes! You drew your own name. This is your fault. Yes! Actually, it's not your fault. loves me. God is good. God is faithful. You have to eat three spoonfuls of Duke's mayonnaise. Oh, my gosh. If it, if it helps, I don't know if they can hear me. Just think mayonnaise is just egg whites and oil. Yeah, you know, okay. that actually doesn't help. See, <laughs> so, Pastor says, just think that mayonnaise is egg whites and oil. I, That's I've, gross. Look, <laughs> <laughs> Paul, Paul says, swish it in your mouth. <laughs> oh, stop. Please stop. Stop. Oh, All right, Kevin. Three so, I don't even like Dukes. <laughs> Are you, is that a joke? No, I just knew it would upset people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured, I figured since we're in the South. I just ate a lot of donuts, so. So, eating anything is probably. <sighs> this looks gross. That, like, that's, 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 that's enough. That's, that's enough. A good for one. Yeah. Is there a time for yeah. You know what? I'll just—I'll say you just have to do two. I'll Show be generous it. today. Praise Show it God. to the God camera. is good. I can smell it. Oh. You got this, Kevin. Ready? You got this, Kevin. That is a very—it does have a very strong smell. What am I doing? I would do it. You're this doing this for the Lord. Praise <laughs> God. I love you, Father. You oh, that's unfortunate. Um, all right. Can you grab that second spoon so he doesn't stick, stick that in our mayonnaise? <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, Praise God. No sorry than I am. Uh, I, I feel good. How you doing, Kevin? How, how's how your you doing? doing? Super. Um, yeah. Oh, God, so are you, awful. I'm just hoping you're over, uh, overacting that's and that's not that's actually a big one. That's a big one. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, you did it. You did it. Well done. Kevin, everyone put in the comments, that's unfortunate. How are you doing? Wait. He's doing awesome. Are you going to throw up? No. <laughs> Hopefully not. I, I love how Barrett's standing to the side with a nice donut. Oh, my god. Just as a reward. Oh, he looks like he's going to throw up. Okay. No! <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Thank you for joining. He needs a trash can. He needs that a trash can. awful. What's oh. the matter with you? You did so good. His eyes, he's crying. He's, he's crying. Like, his okay. eyes are watering. <laughs> okay, well, I was getting really oh genuinely nervous for a second. Oh, I can't. Okay, you know what? Interpretive dance is definitely better. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, goodness. I get a treat. <laughs> well done, Kevin. You deserved it. You deserved it. That was awful. <laughs> what, what if, like, Bear was on the side and she just filled that with mayonnaise? <laughs> Anyway, oh my word, I shouldn't that's have given, horrible. That would be horrible. All right, well, thank you. I'm, th I'm thinking, though, that could be a segment. You remove all the, like, the filled jelly 
you know, I'm oh. better replacing with mayonnaise. What's the or matter ketchup. with you? Um, I'm, I was a youth pastor for four and a half years. That's what's <laughs> the matter with me. All right, well, guys, thank you for joining us for What's Unfortunate. Everyone give Kevin a hand because he deserves it. He deserves it. Love All right, all. we will see you guys next time for What's Unfortunate. Now it's time for What's the Word with Pastor Brian as we move on to the, our next segment of The Man Who Would Be King. We love you guys. We'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome to The Man Who Would Be King. What's the word uh, to this segment today? We just praise God. I'm so glad Kevin did not throw up. That's awesome. And uh, good job, Kevin. Way to man up. That was great. <laughs> uh, that was funny watching people's responses online. We've been talking about the man who would be king, the man who would be a leader, uh, a supervisor, a president of a company, or a president of a country. And uh, today we're going to go back into looking at the uh, character of leaders as laid out by the Bible, specifically looking in 1st and 2nd Samuel at King Saul and King David. Today we're in 2nd Samuel chapter 9. Please put that in the comments. And just let me know who's online, uh, where are you watching from. Just say, hey, I'm here watching from, or just say, I'm watching from here. I can see it. I want to see who's online today. Drop it in the comments. Wave at me with some emoji hands or something, but I love you. Thank you for being here with us. If you haven't done it yet, share the broadcast. Uh, I love what we're about to read right here, uh, talking about David's kindness to Mephibosheth. I love it. So awesome. Let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 1. Then David said, Is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now, it's interesting, if you remember a while back, one of the things that, was, uh, that we were looking at was the nurse of Mephibosheth actually was scared for their lives. So she took Mephibosheth and ran away when they found out that Saul was dead because Saul represented, King Saul represented their protection. And now she was afraid that uh, David would come in and just slaughter all of Saul's family. And, uh, but they really had misunderstood uh, King David's heart. And the reason they did is because they had misunderstood uh, David, David's heart. Saul had misunderstood David's heart. And because he had just basically spread deception, spread lies throughout the kingdom, when they heard that King Saul was dead, the nurse picked up Mephibosheth, who was the grandson of Saul and the son of Jonathan, and took him and ran, and she fell on the way, and now he has to live uh, he had to live as crippled for the rest of his life because of what fear did. And one of the things that we uh, said was this. How many times has fear caused us uh, to be crippled in our life? How many times has fear crippled our lives? And I think a really good question of that is, is this, is looking at even today, 
we're seeing the country shut down basically because of fear that was spread over something that wasn't that bad in the beginning. And if and here's here's what's well, how are we supposed to know that? You're supposed you should know that simply by saying there's no fear in love and perfect love casts out all fear and I'm not moved by the emotion of fear, but to say, Lord, what's actually going on and how bad is this? What do I need to do because of it? See, when the thing about fear is it will drive you into places you don't have to go. It will fear will drive you. Please put that in the comments. Fear will drive you into places you don't need to go. Here's another thing about fear. Fear draws that very problem into your life. Please put that in the comments. Fear draws uh, the problem into your life. And you can see this here. Fear drove Mephibosheth to a place of his whole life being crippled by the fear of someone who had uh, oversight in his life. But then when you look at the story of Job, you see that he actually, by his own decree, says, the thing I feared the most has come upon me. This is why there's no fear in love, because God's not going to take you to a place that's going to lead you into bondage. Fear always is a bondage. But God will show us what's going on, what do we need to do. So, for example, with the coronavirus and things like that, for me, as soon as I heard about it, I said, Lord, is this anything uh, that we should take any action on? Is this anything that we should be wise about or anything like this? What I was seeing in you know the mainstream, not just media, but on the hearts of people, uh, was completely inconsistent with what the Lord was telling me through my fellowship and through my relationship with Him. What He was telling me through that relationship was, there's nothing that's huge on this. Is it a problem? Yes. Is it something for you, talking about to me, is this something for you to be worried about for you, for yourself, for your household, or for your church? And the answer was no. And so we took steps. The, the wisest thing that we can do is hear from the Lord and be obedient to that. Remember, the word of the Lord is what brings us life to the full till it overflows, not what somebody else says. I don't care if it is a scientific fact. If God hasn't spoken it to me to do something about it, then my job is to be obedient and believe on him no matter what I see, no matter what I feel. A buddy put it in the comments earlier, and, and he said this. He said, learn to recognize the emotion of fear. He's quoting something that I've said because the Lord had told me that. You need to recognize the emotion of fear uh, because fear is a spirit and that spirit will drive you into places that you don't want to go and draw the problem to you. And when God says there is no fear in love and God says, I am love, which those two things, then you can see there's no fear in God whatsoever. He doesn't bring fear. He's not the author of fear. There's no fear in God. As a matter of fact, he says this. He says, perfect love cast out all fear. So that means when I actually get a revelation of who God is, there's no room for fear to be in me. In other words, I have, when I get revelation of who God is, I have no fears 
because I know who he is. I know what he's done. I know what he's delivered me from. I know that he's my protector. I know that he's my savior. I know that even if I find myself in a bad place, he's my restorer. I know that he will heal me. I know that he will provide for me. Many times people are making all kinds of decisions based out of fear and God never told them to do it and they don't realize they place themselves into a position to draw that problem instead of placing themselves into a position to push that away. We have to make sure that we are operating by faith, not by fear, and faith will overcome that problem. Faith will overcome what fear would bring. Faith will keep us out of the areas we don't want to go to. So to give you a real life example of this, during this uh, lockdown, during all of this with coronavirus, we have been at a place of peace. We've been at a place of blessing. We've been at a place of mercy. We've not had any issue, and we won't have any issue because we're going to go after God by faith. It's one of those things where you start to realize, uh, well, I don't have proof that I won't do it. Yes, you do. Your proof is right here. He said, no evil will come near you. No plague will come near your dwelling in Psalm 91. That's your proof. And and. People would say, well, I just don't know if I believe it. That's the problem. When you start to believe it, you'll apply it. And if you apply it, you can have it. And so many times uh, we've got to recognize that fear. A leader does not operate by fear. Please put that in the comments. A leader does not operate by fear. And every believer is called to be a leader. Here's something else. A leader recognizes the symptoms of fear. A leader recognizes the symptoms of fear and he does not operate by it. He does not operate by it. So now looking at this, and this story is such a great story. Look at verse 2. So first, first of all, verse 1, then David said, 2 Samuel 9 verse 1, David said, is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. In other words, he's saying, look, I want to show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Is there anybody? See, this didn't have to be uh, somebody related to Jonathan directly. It didn't have to be Jonathan's son. He said, he didn't say, is there anybody left in the house of Jonathan? That's not what he said. He said, because of Jonathan, let me find anybody in Saul's household. You know the king who believed wrongly against me. You know the king who tried to hunt me down and kill me, who repented, but he still tried to kill me again multiple times after he repented. The one who was relentless, but he was the king who was anointed by God. David is honoring God here, and he's saying, look, is there anybody in his household? Verse 2, now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David, and the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. The king said, is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. Now I want you to see something. Did David have a thought, I'd like to bless somebody in Saul's house? Yes, he had a thought. I want to bless somebody in Saul's house. All right, so was this a good thought? Yes. 
Is this thought alone everywhere he should have gone with it? In other words, I think a lot of times people have a good thought, and that thought is a symptom of David's good heart. A good leader will be thinking about the people. A good leader will be thinking about honoring God. A good leader will be thinking about honoring covenants because he was in covenant with Jonathan. A good leader will be thinking about honoring the anointing because King Saul was anointed of God. Even though he messed up, he was still called by God and he was anointed by God. A good leader is thinking about all these things. But how many people do you think think good things, but they never actually take action on it? So what we see right here is we see that David's thinking the right thoughts, but now he's not just thinking them, he's actually acting on them. He's actually moving on them. He's actually taking action. You know he had to think this thought originally, then he had to meditate on it, then he had to come up again and actually say, hey, uh, find me somebody who knows. Now he is moving on it. He's taking action. He's not just thinking it. He's moving on that. He's thinking on it and he's taking action on it. This is very important because a lot of people think good thoughts, but they don't do them. They think good things, but they don't live that way. And we have to be the kind of people that will live this way. We have to be the kind of people that won't just have good intentions, You know, there's the old statement, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Good intentions not acted on. We have to be the kind of people that will act on these good intentions and not just, not just say, hey, I don't, you know, well, you know, my heart's good because I was thinking that. No. What, what good is that? You know, if a guy, if a guy walks in and he's dying of thirst, he's about, he's about completely dehydrated and about to die. And I say, man, I sure would like to give that guy a glass of water. But I don't actually go give the guy a glass of water. What, what good is that? You know, I'm gonna, he's gonna say, man, that's great that you think that, but would you do something about it? I, I can't just have good intentions. I need to act on it. A good leader thinks on godly thoughts and takes action on godly thoughts. Please put that in the comments. A good leader thinks and acts on godliness thinks and acts on godliness. He had to take action. This is effort he's putting in to hunt down this mystery, to find out an answer to his question. He's he's having to find this guy just so that he can honor somebody that he doesn't even know if they exist. Some of the most blessed times I've had personally in my life are times when the Lord says, hey, I want you to do this. And I'll think on it. And then sometimes I've thought on it and then forgotten it. But then I'll go back to it and I'll think on it again. And and all of a sudden I'll find, oh man, this is a blessing of the Lord if I will fulfill it. And a lot of times those are things that I never tell anybody. I never, it doesn't become public. It's just something that nobody will ever know. But God said, hey, I want you to go do this. Oh, what a great time that is. I, I can tell you it is more blessed to give than receive. It feels so good. It feels good to think about it. It feels better to actually carry it through. A good leader is carrying through on God's thoughts. So this servant says, There is a still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, behold, 
He's in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he said, here is your servant. Now I want you to see this. Imagine this. You've been told all your life that David wants to take your grandfather's throne. You've been told uh, all your life because by, when he, I think he was five when the nurse carried him away. Jonathan, his dad, is dead. So what do you remember being told before you were five? I can't say that I remember that much. So all of his life, he's grown up with the thought that David wanted to kill him. And, he, and now he's been in hiding all of his life up until this moment. And now this man that you've been told wants to kill you has found you. Mephibosheth thinks, I'm about to die. He's like, I, not only did I not present myself early on, but now I've been found out not because I brought it up, but because he was looking for me to make sure everybody in my household's dead and wiped out. Now he's found me. Can you imagine what's going through his mind going through there? Can you imagine what is happening? I mean, he's probably a nervous wreck. I bet you he felt uh, worse than if he ate two spoonfuls of mayonnaise. I bet he felt worse than that. And if you haven't seen earlier in this broadcast, Kevin eating two spoonfuls of mayonnaise, it was awesome. And uh, so I bet he felt a lot worse than that. And so here he is. He, he's walking in. He goes, I'm your servant. I'm your servant. Do you understand what's he moving by? Fear. What's motivating him? Fear, Right. And see, when we put our trust in God, we don't have to fear. We can step into harsh situations and know that God's going to bring us through. This is faith. This is what faith does. It puts fear down because God's not in that. And it moves to the place of, of believing God. Now, had he known what was actually going on, do you see how fear has now wrecked his life? Fear has wrecked his life. But at the same time, hey, Dermot, good to see you, my buddy from Ireland. I love you. I just saw you uh, recently, a post that you had. It was awesome. And uh, so praise God, good to see you. But you see how fear has wrecked Mephibosheth's life. He's crippled. He's been living in fear all his life. Now he thinks he's going to die. Did you know, think about this, how many times, just, just think on this for a moment. How many times... Have you in your life thought, man, if this doesn't change, my life is sunk? How many times have you thought that? I know I've had you know, many times where I just thought, man, if this doesn't work out, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And yet, you're still here listening to me today. You're here listening. So how much value was in those things that you feared? 
So you wasted, you took all of this energy. You're still here. You're not sunk. You're still alive. If you know Jesus, you have hope. If you know him, you have an inheritance. God can turn anything around. He can grow legs out. He can heal the blind. You know, God can turn it all around just like that. If you know him, it casts out that fear. But what happens is when we put effort and thought and receive fear, it will cause you to pay a price God never intended for you to pay. And you will waste energy and actually it can hold you away from the promise instead of drawing you closer to it. It can prolong the promise. It can actually draw the problem onto you. In other words, fear is a very negative thing in your life, but you must learn to deal with it. You must learn to recognize it, take that thought captive, and cast it down. That fear is trying to present itself higher than God. It's trying to get itself on the throne of your thinking. Fear tries to get itself on the throne of your whole life when God alone is intended to be there. And if God is there, buddy said fear is bad, period. Amen. If God is on the throne, then his loving kindness rules. His mercy, his goodness, his grace, his forgiveness, his supernatural power rules. But if fear is on the throne of your thinking and therefore your life, then the thing you fear is drawn to you, and it is the Lord. So in order to change who's in control, we must take the thoughts captive and put the ones there that we want. We must see that there's no fear in love, that perfect love casts out fear, that there's no reason God even commands. How wrong? Would it be for God to say, worry about nothing if there was something to worry about? How wrong with it? In other words, what he's saying is the world may worry about these things, but you don't have to because now you're in me and you have my inheritance. There's no fear in me. When you abide me and I abide in you, there's no fear. Look how fear has crippled them. But listen, God is good and he's merciful. And what he ran into was not a king of the world. He ran into a king that was put there by God with God on his heart. He ran into a king that was merciful, a king that was giving, that was generous. And we have a king that's even better than David and King Jesus. And when you turn by faith to Jesus, what you will find is a king even better than what we're about to read. But look at what happens when godliness is in a leader and what can happen to people, whether they've lived that way or not, they can draw them up out of the fear, out of the fire, out of that problem, and everything changes. So now let's read it. He says, David brings them here. David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and he will restore you all the land of your grandfather, Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. Again, he prostrated himself and said, what is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? This right here is a perfect picture of the father and the son and people who have sinned. How in the world 
should God regard us, a sinful people, a people that doesn't have everything right, that have been all messed up? How can you look at us and not just kill us? And when Romans 5 says that we were helpless, we couldn't help ourselves, we were sinners, and it even goes so far to say we in our sin were enemies of God. What does every other king do to their enemies? Slaughters them. That's not what God says. Not what God says at all. And and so Mephibosheth is still looking at his sin, so to speak. He's still looking at his position in the physical world instead of looking at the mercy and the love of a father, of God moving through this man. He says, look, David says, as the father, as the king, I'm going to look at my covenant with Jonathan. And because of my covenant with Jonathan, you are going to be blessed. And this is just like the father saying, listen, the person who was in sin, the person who I want now to be my son, to be my daughter, I'm going to look at my covenant that was sealed by the blood of Jesus. And no matter what you've done, because of not because of what you've done or where you've been or what family you came out of or what side of the tracks or the color of your skin, I'm going to look at my covenant sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ and I'm going to draw you into my family and I'm going to draw you into to my adoption and you'll sit at my table. Look at what he says. And you'll eat at my table regularly and I'll restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul because of my covenant with Jesus. Listen, God will take what should have been yours and he'll give it to you. Put faith on that today. Lord, restore to me by the covenant through Jesus Christ. Put faith on that. It's not wrong for you to put faith on that. Put faith on what Jesus has done. Lord, bring restoration in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for restoring my life. Thank you, Lord, for letting me eat at your table. You understand? He's going to have a seat at the king's table. (laughs) Because of covenant. Because of a godly heart. All glory to God. But now look at what Mephibosheth does. Verse 8. Again, he prostrated himself and said, what is your servant that you should regard a dead log like me? See, this is exactly what happens today. People hear the good news of God and then they'll say, the good news of Jesus, they'll say, I'm just too bad for God to save. It's the same thing Mephibosheth is saying here. And it's the wrong thought. It's taking your sin above the righteousness of Christ. It's saying, I'm going to place sin above what Jesus did. When God's saying, look, what I did is higher than that. Pay attention to that. And by faith, you'll move into that righteousness. And that's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5. He draws us up to his own righteousness. Verse 9, then the king called Saul's servant. I've watched people that, that God wants to heal And they can't let go. It's like they just won't let go of how bad they've been. And because of it, through that condemnation, they have a hard time by faith receiving forgiveness. And God's saying, I want you forgiven. I want you forgiven. I want you forgiven. I love you. I want the best for you. That would be like this. That would be 
uh, like, uh, let's say that, that my daughter came in and, uh, she just, she did something. I told her to do one thing. She didn't do it. And, you know, she ended up doing the wrong thing, exactly the opposite of what I told her to do. And then we have a conversation about it. And I tell her, Hey, look, this was wrong. You shouldn't have done that. And then she says, I know, I'm just so sorry, and uh, I won't do it again. And then I would say, okay, fine. But then that night, as we're going to bed, she goes, well, I'll see you in the morning. And she walks outside, and then she sleeps outside, and in the rain, under the stars, no bed, no, no roof over her head. And then I walk out the front door, and I say, hey, what are you doing out here? Well, I, you know, I just, I felt so bad because of what I did. Yeah, but I forgave you. But who am I? A dead dog. I, I, I just treated you wrong. I know, but I forgave you. I know, but I just was so bad. I, I forgave you so that you still don't have to sleep outside. Listen, repent, but by faith, believe in my forgiveness and my goodness more than how you miss, messed up and missed what I said. Stop looking at what you did wrong and look at my goodness and get your tail inside and get up in the bed and get out of the rain. This attitude that Mephibosheth has is the same attitude that so many Christians have and that condemnation will keep them outside, outside of the blessing and in the curse because they haven't really recognized the power of what God's done and by faith, they're believing more in their sin than they are Jesus' righteousness and, and his goodness and love. Verse 9, Then the king called Saul's servant to Ziba and said, All that belong to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him. Now look, I want you to see something. Even though Mephibosheth had this attitude at the beginning and this thought process at the beginning, did it change the heart of God? God's heart was still, look at what he's about to give him. I'm going to give you all your land. You will eat at my table the best food. In other words, you're going to feast every day of your life. I'm even going to appoint servants to, to keep the land for you and bring produce out of the ground. Even though Mephibosheth's heart needed, his thinking needed to be changed, the heart of God was not changed. He said, you and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him, and you shall bring the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants, then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so your servant shall do. And so Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in the house of Ziba were servants to Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate at the king's table regularly. Now he was lame in both feet. He was lame in both feet. So now one of the things that you see is he carried the mark of that sin and that fear in him. Well, you and I carry a corrupted flesh. 
even in our life today. But that doesn't mean that God won't heal you. He says, I'll heal you. I will restore you. I will bring this to you. But I think part of the reason why Mephibosheth stayed in this state is because he was having such a hard time to receive the the forgiveness of David. He was having a hard time. Our job in John chapter 6, our job is to believe in him that he sent. Our job is to believe because the heart of the Father is to completely restore us. Even though we were in sin, even though we were a part of the family of the devil through sin, even though we had a a corrupted flesh and lived in a corrupted world, God says, I am your restorer. I am your deliverer. I am your protector. I'm your savior and I'll save you from anything. No matter what you see, no matter what you, if you'll put faith in me, I will restore you like it never happened. I will restore everything. And look, we may still have this flesh that carries in it the corruption of sin. But there's coming a day soon where God will transform us with a new glorious body and we will no longer have that. But even though the corruption of that sin is there, Jesus has broken the chains off so that you are no longer a slave to sin anymore. You are no longer a slave, but you have authority over it. And you can say, flesh, you may want to sin, but you're not going to do it. No, I'm not doing that. I'm going to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And I'm going to believe on God and I will not fear. I'm going to move into forgiveness and I won't stay outside under the curse in the rain. No, I'll move into my Father's house. He will feed me with a feast. He will cover my head. He will protect me, restore me, deliver me. He will heal me. He will move me and provide for me. And He will make me one of His own. If you want to receive that today, I just want you to pray with me. Say, just put hands up in the comments. Amen. Vanessa said this, his fear ended up crippling him more than the damage to his legs. You're exactly right. I want you to put this in the comment right now. Hands up, Lord, I need to receive what Pastor Brian was talking about today. I need to receive it all. I need to walk in the fullness of of the righteousness of Christ and not let any sin, any fear hold me back anymore. But I need to move forward completely healed, completely whole, completely delivered. I need to move forward in the fullness of Jesus Christ, not being held back by anything. And I receive your forgiveness. I put more faith in your love, your mercy, and your goodness, and your forgiveness, Father, than I put in my past errors. I put more in that. Lord, I receive it. If that's you, put hands in the comment. I saw many people did. Just pray this with me right now. Jesus, today, you are the Lord of my life. You're the director. And even now, you are directing me to drop condemnation and put on faith in your love. I put faith on right now in your love higher than my sin. And by faith, I believe that you have forgiven me of all my sin. And I hand you my sin and I receive your forgiveness. I believe I am forgiven now. 
in full in Jesus name. Jesus, you are the Lord. You're the director of my life. Whatever you say, I will do. Whatever you write on my heart, I will do. I will be obedient to your commandments. And you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe that whatever I need saving from, you will save me from. If I need saving from lack, you will give me prosperity. If I need saving from sickness, you will, you will give me healing. You will restore me. You will deliver me. You will protect me. And you will give me fellowship with the Father. I believe in all of those things. And I believe that I have received them now. And Lord, I believe that God brought you back to life. You were dead in your body, in that grave, and the Father, by the Holy Spirit, brought you back to physical life and raised you up to heaven, and now I am seated with Him in heavenly places. I am in this world, but I'm not a part of this world. I'm in this world, but I'm not a part of this world. I am part with Jesus in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. You did not leave me in that beat up place. You didn't leave me in the place of sin. You didn't leave me in the place of death. I am raised with you today. Say it again. Today, I am raised up with you. And I will never walk below that again. Ever. I receive the fullness of your salvation with supernatural power. And Jesus, right now, according to your commandment, I ask you, baptize me with the Holy Spirit. And I ask you, baptize me with the all-consuming fire of God that I can walk like you walk. I can live like you live. I can speak like you speak. And I can think like you think. And I will be empowered to be a letter to the world. A witness to this earth. To all the people of your goodness and of your love and your mercy. Just like David showed to Mephibosheth. It got real quiet when everybody said Mephibosheth. Like, how do I say that word? <laughs> Lord, we receive this today. Lord, we will not walk in condemnation from this day forward, but we walk in the fullness of everything that God has for us. Lord, we walk in the fullness in Jesus' name. According to Mark chapter 11, we believe that we have already received the fullness. Right now, that spiritual root has been changed. And right now, as the root has changed, 
the manifestations of your healing are starting to happen now in my body. The manifestations of your provision are happening right now in my bank account, in our finances, in, in our provision. Right now, the fruit of that change is happening in restoration. You're bringing back right now the things that belong to us. Right now, the, the spiritual root is manifesting right now in our protection. Angels are going ahead of us and protecting us at the word of God. They're holding back right now. Every fiery dart is being quenched. I receive, I believe I have received that protection, that prosperity, that healing, that restoration restoration. I believe that right now deliverance is happening. Things that have held me back for years, the chains are being broken as we as we speak. I believe they're broken. I'm delivered in Jesus name and I believe where the Father and I have not had full communication and full fellowship from this day forward. We will have full fellowship in Jesus' name. I'll be able to speak to him and he will talk to me like a father speaks to a child. Lord, I'll be able to speak to him and be in full fellowship in the name of Jesus and by the price he paid, I will not be in condemnation, but I'll walk in fullness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Do you receive that today? Do you receive that today for yourself today? Do you receive that today? Throw some hearts up, thumbs up, do something. Lord, I receive it. Mark it down. Do something. Take some action to say, I'm not, I'm not just believing by faith alone, but faith by works. I'm receiving that today. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This will change your life. When you get a hold of all of what God's given you, like he, he wanted to completely restore Mephibosheth. He wants to completely restore you as well. Praise God. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord. Let's just thank him for a second. Thank you, Lord, for fellowship with you. You could have left us to burn up. We were your enemies. We couldn't even help ourselves. But you sent help. You sent help. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lord, you... Right now, we're completely, thank you, Lord, for restoring fellowship with you. Thank you, Lord, for restoring our health. Thank you, Lord, for restoring our, our provision, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for bringing restoration into our lives, things that we've missed, and, and restoring the years that have been stolen by our, our old man, the fleshly man. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us deliverance from every problem, from every bondage, for bringing us to freedom. Thank you, Father, for protecting us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to challenge you something and just write this in the comments. I want to I'll tell you how to drop it in the comments, but I want you to get a hold of something. Just as your relationship with the Father is restored, absolutely, the other parts of the fullness of salvation are just as absolute. Your healing is absolute. Your deliverance is absolute. Your protection is absolute. That's why I want you to catch that, especially there. 
in protection. What did God talk about in terms of protection? He said every fiery dart would be quenched. Not some of them, everyone by the shield of faith. This is the heart of God. All evil, no, or it says no evil. That means none of it ever will befall you. No, this is, these are absolutes. No plague will come near your dwelling. None ever. The reason why plagues come into a household of a Christian is because they haven't absolutely believed on it like this. This is a deception that, it, well, we're just in this world. we got to put up with some stuff like that. It, it's an absolute salvation, fellowship with God, healing, provision. We don't have to put up with it. That's a deception that causes us to think more about the problem and what's normal in the world than what's normal with a child of God, a person in the family of God. Absolute protection, absolute healing, absolute provision, absolute deliverance, absolute res restoration, and absolute fellowship with God. These are absolutes, and we need to put faith not just in pieces, but absolution of the fullness of our salvation. Grab a hold of this and you'll start to see that God wants you not just healed, but completely restored. Completely restored in every area of your life. This is how God wants us to live. We must believe in the absolution of full, the fullness of the gospel, of full salvation in this way. We must believe that way. And, and so I give you that thought, uh, not just so that you'll grab it and believe it today, but I give you that thought so you can start studying the word, seeing about the absolution of protection, of healing, of deliverance. Start seeing, you know, it, you see that Jesus many times, he healed them all. He destroyed the works of the devil in Acts 10, 38. Uh, he was manifested to destroy them. He sent his word and healed them, period. It wasn't, there wasn't like conditions on that. We put conditions on that. It's our job to believe in that way. He is absolute. Well, if he's absolute, then we can receive those things absolutely and not put up with average, mediocre thinking that a corrupted world taught us to do. So, Father, right now, we just believe you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. As you hear that today, and God wants to restore. See, he wants to restore your finances as well. He wants to bring provision into your life. And how will he tell you to do that? He'll say, look, have faith on me for provision. He'll say, have faith on me for provision. And when he, you have faith on him for provision, then you're going to trust to do it God's way. And God's way is seed, time, and harvest. So if I'm believing him for harvest, then I'm going to believe him for the fruitful time in the ground. And I'm going to believe him for the seed. And I'm going to plant the seed. That means when it comes time to giving, if I really believe in an absolute provision of harvest, then I'm also going to absolutely believe him to, to, for him to give me the seed and for me to plant the seed. And so as we do this, we need to make sure that we, that we trust him, not just in giving us that harvest, but we trust him in the fullness of the process. And that's why we'll be in a, a service and then all of a sudden... Uh, 
all of a sudden during an offering, what happens to our flesh? Our flesh man wants to go back to Mephibosheth and wants to say, who am I? I'm just a poor person. But it's not looking at what you can have. It's sowing the seeds of doubt and doubt in my finances. Doubt in, well, I won't have enough. Well, I don't, how can I do this? It sows seeds of doubt instead of sowing seeds of faith at what God wants to to give. And so it won't, when we're in an offering time, we don't need to look like Mephibosheth who said, I'll never have anything, so I just better hold this money uh, because I don't know when the next thing's coming. No, Mephibosheth was looking like this is going to end. Who am I? I'm just a worm. But see, when he had, when we put faith in God as our righteousness, then he is we put faith in God as our provider. So I don't try to hoard and hold on to everything. I don't see it anymore as my storehouse. I see it as seed. See, when we believe on God as our provider, when we believe on God as our restorer, I stop looking at what I have as my only food and I look at it as seed, just like the widow woman that only had one meal left, it became seed. Just like the widow woman who had just a little bit of oil, it became seed. Uh, the statement we had, and it's such a good one, if it's not enough to meet the need, it's seed. It's seed. It's seed. And when we see it, we say, oh, and it's not just seed in an earthly ground outside this is seed in a heavenly supernatural ground with heavenly supernatural multiplication, with a supernatural multiplication. And when we take that heart of believing in God as our provider and we apply it to a supernatural seed into a supernatural ground, in 2 Corinthians 9 it says this, God will multiply the seed sown. And he'll multiply. If that corn kernel can multiply a thousand times a year or more in one ear of corn, then certainly God can take my seed and he can multiply it supernaturally to meet every need and every desire of my heart. The question is, do I trust him with the seed? And so today as you, as the Lord leads you to give, you may have even, yeah, this is not something I say all the time. But you may have even already given. And uh, the Lord says, no, you, you gave looking at the world. And, and I, I don't know who this is for. And somebody might be sitting there thinking this and, and I'm calling you out. But at least I'm not calling your name. Glory to God. And, <laughs> but you may be sitting there and saying, look, I gave. But I gave with worldly thinking. Lord, let me give with a heart, a cheerful and abounding heart. And God's saying, I want you to give, and I want you to give again, but this time I want you to give the way you should have given. Trust me for that seed. And I promise you, you put that kind of heart into it. God sees it. He multiplies it. I don't multiply it. God does. He multiplies it, and he'll bring up that supernatural harvest. Amen. So, Father, right now, if you're on Facebook, you can type in hashtag donate and the amount in the comments. Or anybody can go to givebc.org to sow a seed into the gospel. But, Lord, whoever is given, I saw several come through already. Whoever is given, Lord. Father, right now, 
I just ask that you would bless them. Overflow their lives, Father, in Jesus' name. Overflow. Bring supernatural increase into their finances. Just like you restored the fortunes to Mephibosheth, Lord, restore it to their lives, Lord. I know, Father, that you're not going to get beat out by King David. I know you. You're even greater than that. Your promises are even bigger than that. Lord, restore it today. Multiply that seed song. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you for supernatural supply. And thank you for bringing it about. In Jesus' name, amen. Let it be pressed down, shaken together, running over. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to have to talk about that, pressed down, shaken together. Show you sometime what that means because it's pretty awesome in itself. Love y'all. Thank you so much for being with us today. I hope you got something out of it. If you did get something out of it, just throw some hands up in the comments. And uh, I saw where people were watching from earlier. It just blessed me. And uh, we love you so, so much. Barrett's going to wrap it up here, and I'll see you tomorrow. You ready, Barrett? I'm ready. Amen. Amen. So tomorrow we have a great broadcast coming up in store for you. We're going to kick it off with Dad Joke Battles. Who's going to win? You'll have to find out tomorrow. Make sure that you tune in for that. It's going to be a good one. Then we have what's good. And then we have another time of prayer. If you have testimonies of things happening from prayer, like we had earlier this week of promotion and financial increase, we want to hear those things and rejoice with you. We want to praise God along with you. Go to whatsright.com and put in prayer requests that you have, put in fulfilled prayers that have come through the broadcast, whether it's been during the specific prayer section or when pastors prayed. We want to rejoice over what the Lord's doing in your life with you. So go ahead to whatsright.com and do that. And then after prayer, we're going to have a taste test battle. Put in the comments right now, what sort of food do you think that we're going to be having a taste test battle? over. Do that right now. And maybe if we don't do it tomorrow, we'll do it later. But it's going to be such a good day because we get to spend another day with you. You truly are blessing us by joining with us in what Lunch Plus is doing. And we value you. We esteem the time that you are taking to be a partner of what's right and Lunch Plus. And so we just love you so much. We praise God for you. And we'll be back tomorrow at 1145 a.m. right here. Same time, same place. Same bat channel. It's going to be a good day tomorrow. We love you so much. Have a good rest of your Thursday.